0: The Detroit Tigers start their West Coast road trip with a sweep in Anaheim over the Angels. Let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. what is up everybody welcome back to another edition of locked on tigers i'm of course your host scott bentley today is monday september 18th 2023 thank you so much for making locked on tigers your first listen every single day we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts including youtube part of the locked on podcast network your team every day be sure to check out sleeper Sleeper is the best, and you can swing for the fences with sleeper picks and win up to 100 times your money. Download the sleeper app, use promo code locked on, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. All righty. Well, the Tigers had a heck of a weekend. You know, at least one Detroit sports team did not disappoint. Over the weekend, I'd, obviously, the Tigers have disappointed us plenty over the last eight years, um, but, uh, you know, this weekend was good. This was a really, really solid weekend for the Tigers. They go into L.A. Look, man, the, the Angels are just – I mean, that lineup is remarkably bad at the present moment, um, and the, the rotation is not good. I, I mean, that—that that is a, a, a team that is completely falling apart and uh, Trout is probably not going to play baseball for them for the remainder of this season. Otani might never play baseball for the Angels again. We have no clue, but he's done for the year. Uh, They've had so many other injuries this season as well. Just really unfortunate. Rendon's contract is looking like one of, if not the worst in all of baseball. Uh, I, I mean, that is just an organization that you know, was kind of hanging on by a thread as is, like if it wasn't for Trout and Otani uh, over the last couple of years, like probably would not have even been as, I don't know, like even competitive as, as they were, which was already like not super competitive. Right. And now those two are gone. Like I said, that they have a handful of injuries. This is not just, you know, like those two are gone and that's it. Like they've had a lot of injury problems this season, and now, I mean that the lineups they roll out there, man, are just. And again, like we're whatever the 27th ranked, 28th offense in baseball. Like I'm not trying to talk down to them. Like goodness gracious, we we're not in a position to do that. This organization's been the definition of of uh, of in disarray over the last seven or eight years, but man that 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 Angels team in September has been unbelievably bad and uh, when you look at some of the lineups they put out there this weekend you see why to the Tigers credit though they take advantage uh we again I I don't want to just complain when we lose to bad teams like they deserve the credit and the uplifting when they beat bad teams and the Angels present moment are a bad baseball team that is a rough product that they are rolling out there and the Tigers, Took care of business on the road. And like for most teams, you go, oh, they went, you know, West Coast road trip. They went on the road and took care of business. We're now two games over 500 on the road this season. Like there's a real chance that this team finishes, you know, like 10-ish games under 500 on the year and has an over 500 record on the road, which is – Again, we'll complain about that a lot more in the off offseason. I, I, when we have a chance to like kind of calm down, let the dust settle, and really break down this entire season and, and the intricacies of it. And that will certainly be one that we do that with. But just so wild on a day-to-day and, and series-to-series, I guess, more so basis. Like They are so much worse at home than they are on the road. And it's been a consistent thing throughout the year. But um, not going to complain uh, about a sweep. And again, like this is the starting off of a West Coast road trip. They go, uh, they go Anaheim, then they go Dodgers next. We'll preview that series at the end. Then they go Oakland, which, like, obviously the A's are terrible, but like still that, that West Coast road trips and, and <laughs> are, are not gimmies, you know, when you're an East Coast team. So, our uh, Eastern time zone, I guess we'll say team for the Tigers sake. So nine games under 500 on the season now, 70 win total reached. We'll talk about that a little bit more in depth at the end of the show. Let's start with, uh, let's start with Matt Vierling and we're going to do a little bit of kind of jump all over the place. Cause that's just how my brain works today. So let's start with Matt Vierling. Matt Vierling had a really solid weekend um, and it, it's so noticeable that he's just trying to pull the ball. And like, it only took four months of us complaining about it on this show. But like, here we go. Like he, he's pulling the baseball. He's making an effort to pull the baseball. And and like I said last week, dog, like he, he doesn't need, you know, with Torgelson, it's like it's pull and elevate, right? It's get the ball in the air to the pull side. That's where all your power comes from um even though he's had a couple of oppo shots uh in the second half of the season as well but for the most part with veerling i'm not even asking for him to have like the perfect launch angle and and pull the ball and you know turn matt veerling into a 20 home run hitter that also is in like the 95th percentile in speed like i'm not i'm not trying to make him you know some crazy power speed combo guy I mean, this weekend is a prime example. He wasn't even hitting a ton of, like, homers. He didn't have, like, a five-homer weekend or anything. But, like, he was pulling the baseball all weekend and, and even fastballs, which is – I didn't even know he could do that. I, I'm, I'm very impressed. I, I, I think that that's an awesome sign of development and adjustments being made in growth. And if he can do this the rest of the year and prove that it's not just like, oh, like a couple of series fluke, like, if he can – actually do this the remainder of the season two weeks left in the year whatever but if he can end the year on a month sample size about of pulling the baseball and getting results from it i will go into next season with a very different opinion of what i think matt beerling could be maybe not what he is currently but but maybe what the heights that he can reach not to say he's ever going to be like a five win player or like an all-star caliber player or anything like that but you know, I, I think maybe my ceiling of like, uh, you know, high 600s, OPS, fourth outfielder, utility, super utility type can maybe be adjusted. And we can start talking about this dude being a, a corner outfielder on a decent team. Or maybe he's still the fourth outfielder, but that OPS or utility guy, if he can play a decent third base as well. But then maybe that OPS is like league average or better even, right? You start creeping up higher. Like, I think uh, I think him pulling the baseball can only lead to better things. So that's like a big thing I noticed over the weekend. And then Jake Rogers, I just want to have a general kind of not too long. Again, we're we're only a few weeks away from doing like season in-depth season breakdowns on everybody on this roster. So we'll save some of it for that conversation. But Jake Rogers, after Sunday's game, 220 average, 733 OPS and a plus defender behind the plate, man. Like that is a, that is a valuable asset. And, And I know that some people are like still value batting average a lot and are going to be of the opinion like oh like unless you know 220 is like in today's day and age of baseball is first off not terrible um, but even for the the crowd that is kind of like oh like he's never going to hit for an a good average like I don't like that whatever like he is an extra base hit machine like he, he does a low average but it's all extra base hits. He has like one of the highest extra base hit percentages in the entire sport. Um And on this season now, he is, he has the potential to end the year at, as a two win player at two war. Look, I that's, that's not a world beater. He's not Adley Rutschman, but like, man, like if he can, and I'm using fan graphs for that war calculation, by the way, um, If he can be a two-win player in his really his first full season as the Detroit Tigers catcher at the major league level, I think that we would take that. I think if you told us going into the season that that would be a possibility that we'd all take it. The only other thing, again, like if, if, I don't really care about if his batting average gets a lot higher or not. If he keeps slugging, he keeps being a 20 home run threat. The only other thing I really am going to be critical of going forward is because I think it can raise his floor a lot more is walk more, right? 7.8% walk percentage isn't terrible, but like if you're going to be a low average high power guy and you're going to strike out 32% of the time, he strikes out a boatload. Obviously, if I can have a plus defensive catcher that walks at a above league average clip and can run into 20 homers a year. That's that, like you're not going to find too many catchers that that have higher ceilings than that man. That that's a good major league catcher, and he's going to be the, the the catch primary catcher next year as well. So just wanted to point out like you know for for as weird as a year of a year as Jake Rogers has had and and for as little as he gets singles, um, I I think that you know next year this is a really good building block, and I think next year he could be even like a three, three and a half win catcher if he plays enough games. I, I truly believe that. I think pretty highly of Jake Rogers. And again, like you're not, catcher these days, like they have so much other responsibilities, like the, the the defensively and like throwing runners out now with the rule changes and just like manning a staff, like people don't realize how much work it takes to be the catcher of a major league, like like pitching staff is just, it's so much work. that That's why most teams don't expect You're not penciling in like really good offensive production from your catcher spot for most teams, man. So um, if, if again, if he can be a 20 home run guy and just raise the walk rate a little bit more and keep that average around 220, I think he can be a very valuable asset for this team for the next three to five years. And that's exciting. We got something from the Justin Verlander trade, (laughs) anything at all. (laughs) Goodness. Um, Let's not go down that that rabbit hole though. Let's uh, get to the rest of this weekend. So, We have, uh, I guess we haven't really even talked about like the games themselves yet. Obviously a sweep. We're going to talk about the bullpen. We'll talk about the offense more in a broader picture over the weekend. Then we'll talk about the fantastic starting pitching from Tarek Skubal and Sawyer Gibson Long from the weekend. But before we get to all of that, I got to tell y'all about our friends over at Jace Medical. If I can find the right tab. There we go. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand that you need. It's simple, and they have everything From online evaluations to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 as well by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. That's jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. Appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow, recapping game one of this series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. We'll preview that series at the end of the show here. So um talked about it. Some you know, people who had a good weekend and, and a little bit more of a big picture outlook. In Veerling and Rodgers, uh, again, like once we get to the offseason, I'm I'm in a position where I don't want baseball to end and I'm going to be really sad when the Tigers aren't playing anymore, but I'm very excited for the offseason, like content and conversations that we're going to have. We'll do in depth, just like we did last offseason, full just season recap uh, on every player and do a deep dive on everybody on this roster and kind of where they stand. But let's get to this weekend. Okay, let's actually finally, you know, 15 minutes in geez. Talk about this weekend, uh, sweep. So as far as the bullpen goes, we're gonna start there. Um, because they played a vital role in the weekend and Sunday was a bullpen day. Miguel Diaz still rocking a zero ERA at the major league level. Good for him. That changeup is is really working for him. We're gonna clump Joey Wenson with the starting pitching conversation later in the show. So we'll pass on him for now. Jose Cisnero Um, uh, yeah, like I mean, he gave up the homer on what was that Friday, and then on Sunday went out there and uh, had a walk and a couple of strikeouts. I, I just like I'm done breaking down Jose Cisnero at this point. He's here. He's going to get some innings the remainder of the season. He's not going to be here next year. He has a five and a half ERA almost this season. Like I, he he is what he is. Uh, Tyler Holton, one and a third of perfect ball on Sunday. Had another appearance this weekend as well. As ERA goes down to two ten. On the year just continues to be an absolute dog, and then, yeah, Sunday they went to the a team there Holton Foley Lang Foley was really good this weekend, had a couple of scoreless outings. Alex Lang is really the biggest conversation piece once we get past you know like Miguel Diaz continuing to be solid and whatnot um so Alex Lang on Sunday, one two three inning, light work, okay, looked great, very, very good, um but certainly was not a fantastic weekend as he looked. Pretty dreadful, to be completely honest with you. On Saturday, was just missing spots all over the place. Kind of took a, I don't want to say a step back, because it was just one outing. But I mean, you watched that outing, and it it very much looked like the Alex Lang of old. He still didn't walk anyone, which is good. uh, But he was missing spots just like over the heart of the plate, instead of you know a foot out of the strike zone. So. Wasn't great in that outing. He goes one inning, three hits, three runs, no walks, two strikeouts, two home runs against um, everything over the heart of the plate. I, You know, his curveball is a plus pitch. It's going to be a plus pitch um, I, I, when it's located even halfway decently. Obviously, that that's a big stipulation there. Um, and the changeup is a good pitch. I, I would like to see him throw the change more next year. Like the the changeup's a weird thing where last year it was one of the better changeups like around. And then this year it it hasn't been like a focal point of his repertoire. So I'd like to see him throw it a little bit more next season. But the biggest thing, man, you know, we talk about it with a lot of these pitchers are kind of in a similar boat. Alex Lang needs to establish a really solid major league fastball. And like, he has the velocity. He has the movement on it. He can get called strikes on it, right? He throws it on the inside. It tails over the, you know, the heart of the plate. Um, But I I, want to see a four-seam fastball that can be as effective as his his other two pitches. I think that that would go a long way because right now, and especially there in the July month, like they got to a point where everybody was just kind of sitting curveball. And if it wasn't the curveball, they'd take a hack. And if it was, then they'd kind of just spit on it because it was going to be a ball low. So something to to keep an eye out for there. I've said before, and like people kind of get upset when I say this, but like, I, I don't I think it's it's beneficial for the Tigers to just keep laying in the closer role. I mean, we're only two weeks left now, but like I, I've been in support of keeping him in this role, this high leverage role for the for the second half, even despite his struggles just for development purposes. So um, we'll see what he does the, the you know the last two weeks of the season here. But nice bounce back performance on Sunday. Much more in the zone, low in the zone as well. Wasn't getting stuff over, you know, the heart and and up belt high over the plate. So good on him. But definitely something that's going to be a big talking point over the offseason. It's going to be who is the high leverage closer for this team in 2024. That's going to be one of the biggest discussions of the entire winter. Okay, Um, let's go to the offense. Very solid weekend. Obviously, Friday was a complete just dismantle. Dismantling. Of the Angels, they win eleven to two, and then score five runs on Saturday and Sunday. Um, you know, I mean, they went four for twenty on Saturday and Sunday with runners in scoring position. I'm all I'm going to keep just pounding that drum, man. I know people are annoyed by it. I'm going to keep bringing them up, bringing it up. It, it's a a valuable necessity to be a good Major League Baseball team, and this team can't do it. Um, so uh, four for twenty is not great. Right. That that that's not a, a fantastic uh, number. It's not a fantastic line with risk over the weekend, but bailed out by we, we talk about it all the time. If you're not going to hit with risk, I've been saying this since April. If you're not going to hit with risk, you need to hit for power. And over the weekend, they got a jolt from the home run ball. Uh, you know, they've been crushing. And I know people are going to point at Comerica Park and, and the dimensions Um, But they've been hitting a lot of home runs on the road (laughs) in the second half of the season and they lose a ton of games at home. So like, it's just, it's been a frustrating dynamic there. They seem to find their home run stroke. I don't think it's a dimensions thing. Uh, I like a lot of these home runs are to the pole side. Comerica isn't as deep as people think to the, to the corners, you know, it's a center field problem. So I, I don't think, and we can look at some of those numbers in the off season. And I know that some people disagree with that, but like, I I think it's just an inconsistent, like not super talented baseball team. And for whatever reason, they run into more on the road. And uh, that that was good to see over the weekend. Well, we'll, we'll, again, we'll take it. I'm not going to complain about a sweep. So we will gladly take it. I I think as far as individual performances, we talked about two of the bigger ones uh, coming off of the weekend on Sunday. Torkelson had a fine weekend. Uh, not not awful, not fantastic. Carpenter, again, we're still seeing like the OPS is falling and the average isn't because it's just consistent singles. Like we haven't we've gone a while without like a Carpenter extra base hit, kind of like big big. Whether it's a big moment or not, honestly, just like in general, like he's hitting a lot of singles lately. So something to keep an eye out for there. Um, yeah, I mean, and then besides that, I think it's weird that Javi Baez is DHing. Like, I I don't know if he you know, the there's the broadcast has been saying he's been beat up a little bit. Maybe there's like an injury thing going on there, but like all of his value comes defensively. So like it's weird for me to DH a guy with a five eighty-five OPS who's one of the best defenders in baseball. That's kind of weird. But like uh, you know, if if it's just about getting him at bats but not putting too much pressure on his body or whatever, then then I guess I would understand it from that perspective. Meadows, not a fantastic weekend. A couple of walks thrown in there is nice to see at least Andy Ibanez, I guess was fine. Solid weekend. Had a multi-walk game for the fifth time in his entire career. <laughs> oh, Andy Ibanez, love him to death. Um, So yeah, like, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like this was this, this weekend, you know, they, they swept, they scored a lot of runs. It wasn't like it was because of uh, like the the leadership, like there was a front runner out there that was just like putting, had a fantastic offensive weekend. It was kind of just every day it was someone new and they and they hit some homers in some timely uh, t- in some timely settings. Obviously, Rodgers with two homers on Sunday, he certainly led the charge then. And then everybody hit on Friday. Um, but yeah, solid, solid, solid weekend all around. They did enough to win every single game, and and that's about as much as you can ask for at this point in the season from a team that's going to finish the season under 500. So good on them. Um, let's move on to the starting pitching. Because that, for me, that's like the biggest storyline of the weekend. The starting pitching this weekend was absolutely fantastic. We will do that right after I tell you all about our friends over at Sleeper. The MLB playoffs are right around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance for 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now with studs like Acuna, Bats, Otani, and more, and you can pick more or less on stats for these stars, like home runs, hits, strikeouts, for up to 100 times your payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you could win big. Use promo code LOCKDOWN, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details today. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. Appreciate you all for tuning in as always. So uh, let's get to the starting pitching, man. Like th- this is this was really me burying the lead here. Like the, the starting pitching this weekend, I thought was absolutely just fantastic. We'll start with Joey Wentz, uh, not technically the starter. He was the piggyback starter. He went four and a third, five hits, three earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts, Man, I, my heart sank when he gave up the homer because like he he really had a, a solid he had a solid outing and it just fell apart there at the end. really unfortunate that, uh, you know, the, the final line is not going to be the prettiest thing in the world. When I thought that this was this was a solid Joey Wentz outing for like what we've seen out of him this year. I I thought this was this was good. It was needed. Uh, I, you know, the, the biggest thing with this one was just the curveball. He he was throwing it like crazy, and I'm not against it. Again, like we we've talked about it so much on this show. Like his biggest issue is he doesn't have a good fastball. His fastball gets absolutely crushed consistently, and it has all season. So the fact that he was then went okay, I'm going to throw my curveball, which he hasn't thrown a ton this season. Um, he threw his curveball a lot in high leverage counts as well, consistently. I mean, he struck out Jared Walsh. Like it seemed like every who just throw three straight curveballs low and away to Jared Walsh every AB, and it was just good morning, good afternoon, good night. So to lefties, he was really using that curveball low and away. But really, just in general, man, like he, he was not afraid to throw that pitch in high leverage uh, counts. I, I I was impressed with the curveball, and I hope that he continues to throw it more. I hope we see him a couple more times this season, and he can hopefully keep utilizing that pitch sequencing and that pitch mix rather. I, I liked what I saw, and I and I felt really bad that he he gave up the homer at the uh, at the end there. I I also you know just for kicks, okay, just literally for kicks, I want to see one outing where he just doesn't throw his four seam fastball. Right, like it, it's not sustainable. It's not. It, it's pretty much impossible for him to. For that to be his repertoire because his cutter is only like a 85, 86 mile an hour pitch, right? If his cutter went 90, I would have suggested him dropping the four-seam fastball, you know, five months ago. Um, but you, you need something in today's day and age of baseball. You're not going to carve people up with 86 as your hardest pitch and then like three off-speed pitches, right? Like 86, 81, 78. Like that, that you, can't, you can't be a successful major league starter with that. But I, just give me one outing. Where you just don't throw the forcing fastball one single time. I just want to see what happens. Because the other pitches don't grade out poorly. So I, I, I'm just curious. Let's move on to the to the other two fantastic starts from the weekend. One from Tarek Skubal and one from Sawyer Gibson Long. Let's start with Scooby. He was just absolutely fantastic. If For my money, it might not be the best line. Of his major league career, although it's going to be one of the better lines, he goes seven innings, three hits, one earned run, no walks, nine strikeouts. The one earned run was obviously the solo homer by David Fletcher, (laughs) who is like one of the the worst is not the right word, but one of the least powerful hitters in baseball, one of the worst power hitters, like least pop in bat, you know, him and Nick Madrigal are like why they consider to be the two like least powerful bats in baseball. So obviously because baseball is baseball uh in, in one of the best starts of Scoobel's career that that happens, but he was fantastic. He he was he was remarkable actually. I I I was blown away. That's the kind of start you look at and you go, "You know what? This dude th- this dude has ace ceiling." Right? This dude legitimately has like top of the line, top of the rotation type of stuff. And there was a stat earlier. I'm trying to find it on the fly, which is very unprofessional of me. But um, over the last like 100 innings thrown, Tarek Skubel has, here it is, starting pitching leaders, last 300 pitches thrown, okay? Tarek Skubel has the most whiffs in all of baseball. Out of the last 300 pitches thrown by starting pitchers with 60, we have Emmett Sheehan, 59, Nick Pavetta, 58, Cole Reagans, 56, Spencer Strider, 54. In the last 300 pitches thrown, Tarek Skubal leads baseball in whiffs. And, fewest barrels allowed, Tarek Skubal has allowed zero barrels in his last 300 pitches thrown. That is absolutely remarkable what a fantastic statistic and it is uh, i need to give credit for that that's my fault uh let me find the stat again but he he just is is remarkable and like the biggest thing was it's just uh it's an fu fastball that starts it all off you know like it's that's from john anderson there we go on twitter um and it's just a fastball that starts the whole thing off man 99 on the black this entire outing uh the changeup i thought that this might have been the best his changeup has looked in his entire career almost a 50% CSW percentage on the changeup in this outing for him uh and he threw it 27 times he threw it almost as often as he did his four seam fastball that goes 98 miles an hour like I, I can't say enough good things. Um the slider was good, the through the curveball, you know, six times for good measure, why not? But 18 whiffs, 11 of the 18 whiffs were on the changeup. 11. Like that that's it's remarkable. And, and when you have to sit 99 on the black and then you get, you know, uh the 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 changeup that goes 84 low and away and it's falling out of the zone, you really have no chance unless you guess right. So, and David Fletcher did. So <laughs> good on good on Fletch, tip of the cap, to to, to Fletch, Fletch God. Um, but, uh, but Tarek Skubal with an unbelievable performance and really kind of gaining optimism. You know, I, I think that's really all I wanted to see out of him. If you want to talk big picture really quickly, like after the injury, I, I just wanted, I, I didn't need a certain ERA to be hit. I didn't need a certain strikeout number to be hit. I just wanted to see, the, the version of Tarek Skubel's stuff that was going to give me and this fan base enough optimism to where we can look going into next season and be like, you know what, this dude might just be the front of the rotation starter for this team going forward if he can stay healthy. And I think that he has done that since coming back from injury. Let's go to Sawyer Gibson Long, uh, and then we'll talk about some big picture stuff here uh, at the end of the show. But Sawyer Gibson Long with an unbelievable – outing as well uh let me pull up his stat line here i pants the one downside of of monday shows is i have to like jump around from stat you know box score to box score i can't just look at one um and that was the wrong one i just picked so that's going to delay even more time this is great radio uh t- t- now i'm saying tarek skuble's name sawyer gibson long there we go goodness gracious five innings two hits one earned run three walks And 11 strikeouts, one home run given up as ERA on the season, two starts, is now 2-7. 11 strikeouts in five innings. He had 10 Ks and 20 whiffs through four innings. That is a real stat. He looked absolutely incredible. Um, uh, Look, uh, you know, the, the one knock, if you have one, is just efficiency. But, like, this is this dude's second start of his major league career. And he just went out there and had 11 Ks in five innings. Again, little inefficient at times, three walks in five innings. You'd like to cut that number down a little bit. The pitch count was pretty high. That's why he only went five. Um, I I think that's just about, like, consistently attacking. Uh, But, I mean, goodness, I I would be a, a moron to come on here and, like, complain about what he has given us so far at the major league level, in his first two starts, man, his changeup is filthy, disgusting, gross, vomit-inducing. That thing is a legitimate plus pitch. Um, I I love watching his changeup. I love it. It, it. it almost like it's not slow. Like it's eighty-six miles an hour. It's not like he's throwing like in a like a frisbee up there. But man, the the spin on it is so impressive, and and the way that it it just seems to hang up there. And in a a good way, hang up there and then die, you know, fall off the table at the end is absolutely fantastic. Um, Excuse me. The the slider, another like this. This this slider looks like a legitimate plus pitch. Um, Man, his changeup was not put in play. His changeup was not put in play. He threw 20 changeups. Zero were put in play. Two were fouled off. And it had a 60% CSW percentage. It's not like they were all just balls out of the zone. You know how remarkable of like a dominant single pitch performance that is? 20 change-ups. 10 whiffs on 20 change-ups. 12 swings on 20 change-ups. 10 whiffs on 12 swings. Two called strikes. That, that's, that's unbelievable. That's as dominant of a performance as you'll see from like one individual pitch. Genuinely 23 whiffs in five innings, 10 on the changeup nine on the slider, two on the sinker, two on the four seam phenomenal pitch sequencing. I think the thing with him, people are going to adjust. Okay. I can almost assure you whether it's, you know, in the last two weeks of the season this year or whether it's, you know, in April of next year, depending on where he starts off the season. People are going to adjust and he's going to get popped. Okay, he's going to just put up an absolute stinker at some point. And the reason why is going to be because people are just going to sit on his slider and change up in his off speed. And he's going to have to then adjust to their adjustment by throwing the fastball. And that's what I'm interested in seeing. We clearly have seen that his slider and changeup have the ability to be insanely plus pitches at the major league level. And that's awesome. That's about as much as you can ask for two starts into a major league career for a guy that you got for half a season of Michael Fulmer, right? Like this is already a win, but if he truly wants to take the next step, it's going to be when people adjust and they will and just start sitting off speed, how often and how effective is his four seam fastball going to be at the major league level? It goes 95 and it, it has spin. I think it has the ability to be a plus pitch, but that's what I'm interested in. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, Tigers win 70 ball games this season. That's it for the weekend. Very solid. Uh, with the sweep, they reach a 70 and 79 win total. Uh, I tweeted this out, uh, but just to give you a quick rundown of what they would have to do in the remaining 13 games. To hit some uh, some certain totals, so uh, with a seventy and seventy nine record, if they were to go thirteen and zero the remainder of the season, they won't. Uh, But if they were to go thirteen and zero, they would go eighty three and seventy nine. If they go eight and five, that would put them at seventy eight and eighty four, which would be the best Tigers record since two thousand and sixteen. If they go seven and six the remainder of the season, that would put them at seventy seven and eighty three, which would tie them for their best record since 2016. That would tie the 2021 season, which all gave us a lot of optimism and people loved, uh, where they won 77 games, 77 and 85 rather, not 83. Then uh, if they go four and nine, the remainder of the season, that would put them at 74 and 88, which was my preseason win total. So looking like they have a chance to exceed my expectations and my record was called like the overly optimistic homer. Going into the season, so I think that that's uh, that that's a good sign uh, as far as you know fan base interpretation goes. And then just for kicks, even if they were to go over thirteen and they would go seventy and ninety two, sadly, that would still be the second best record the Tigers have had since two thousand and sixteen. So um, there you go, guaranteed reaching the seventies again. Like we're talking about a team where going into the season. Uh, I'm I'm remembering back to all of the preseason predictions that I saw in the comment sections in my episodes and, and on my social media, whole heck of a lot of 68, 69, 70 win totals, and, and they're gonna they're gonna surpass all of those. So um, I, I think that this was a fine building block year. We'll talk way more big picture stuff in the off season. Scott Harris's first year at, you know running the show, uh, you know what kind of building block we're we're setting going forward, but. I think we're gonna look back at the end of this season. And you know, if they win, you know, 74 to 77 games, I think people are gonna look back. And if you think, oh, if I was told they were gonna have this record in in March, would I be happy with it? And I think a lot of people are gonna realize the answer to that is yes. So um good on them. Let's preview the Dodgers series really quickly, just the pitching matchups, 1010 10 PM start times all week. For the Dodgers series, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, all at 10 o'clock, 10-10 rather, starts. We have Lance Lynn against Erod. Oh boy, I didn't realize that was happening. Erod pitching against the Dodgers. Really, baseball's remarkable. The storylines write themselves sometimes. Erod pitching against the Dodgers tonight as you're listening to this on Monday night Uh, Going against Lance Lynn. Then we have a TBD against TBD on Tuesday. And then we have Reese Olsen versus Bobby Miller on Wednesday in the series finale here. So, you know what? Uh, You know, if you can go in here, I don't know. Like, are we really expecting more than a win? If you can not get swept in L.A. against the Dodgers, I think people will take that. I think we kind of have to. We swept LA. You give your we sweep the other LA. We sweep Anaheim. You give yourself a little bit of a cushion. We're like okay, if, if we kind of lay a dud against the Dodgers, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, you can think a bigger picture in those six games. If you were told going into the weekend, you know, we're going to go three and three against the Dodgers and Angels, I think most people would have taken that. Um, so if you can even salvage a, a win against the Dodgers. I think most people would be pretty pleased with that. So let's see. And then you have a four-game set against Oakland this weekend on the West Coast as well before you come back home down the season. So there you go. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. Shout-out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping game one against the Dodgers. I appreciate you all greatly. Season's almost over. That's sad. That's sad. But like I said, I'm I'm pretty excited about – Uh, the conversations that we're going to have this off season. I think there's a lot of question marks surrounding this team and that's exciting, but also terrifying. All right. Thanks for uh, tuning in throughout this entire season. I appreciate you all greatly. Peace and love going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.